my colleague Terry Pekoski tweeted something out yesterday. She was chatting with uh, Steve Steos, the president and general manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs, and she was tweeting out that he had said there were more than 50 applications already that he'd received to fill the vacant head coaching job, which says two things, I would think. Well, three things. One, Steve Steos is going to have a busy summer. Two, there are an awful lot of people who feel the Hamilton Bulldogs are a place that they want to work. Three, there are an awful lot of unemployed coaches. So Steve Steos right now pretty much is sitting in front of a buffet with his choice of what coach he wants to pick. It's an interesting situation to be in. But how do you go about doing that? Well, there's only one person to ask about that. That, of course, would be Steve Steos himself. How are you this evening, sir? I'm doing great, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm guessing, before we get to this, I'm guessing you're actually feeling probably physically pretty well right now. This time, three or four years ago, you're in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and by the second round, your body is probably already beat up. Yeah, beat up for sure. I mean, and then uh, just trying to mentally get through it, try and get some rest and ice down, and uh, your your mind takes over. Your, the mind controls the body at that point. Do you ever watch the games now and have flashbacks to you see a guy block a shot and go, oh, yeah, I know how that felt. That must not be nice. <laughs> yeah. Totally, and I don't, I don't miss that part of it. In <laughs> fact, ten years ago, uh, ten years ago, this playoff was the year that we went yep. on that run in Edmonton. So it was, uh, yeah, you know, the the body feels much better now. Not nearly as fit, <laughs> but much better. What was the Steve? What was the worst thing that you had to deal with in a playoff ever? From you know, because you're hiding everything, but when you were going through, what was the worst thing you had? Oh God! I mean, looking back on it, you play with. Yeah, played with uh, some torn ligaments in my knee and uh, in the playoff. But uh, I mean, it, I, I, I'm not one to go back and sort of tell war stories because, as much as I talk about my body, each and every individual that's playing any significant minutes in the playoffs is dealing with something. In fact, you know, you you evaluate players' performance. I remember Joe Thornton when he was young and he was in Boston and was in the playoffs and maybe had a point or zero points in the playoff series, and they thought that. This guy must be a complete bum, and then they find out he's got two broken ribs after the series. So <laughs> everybody deals with these these guys. I mean, all these athletes that go out there in whatever sport, when it comes to playoff time, they mentally get themselves ready to go and, and play through a lot of uh, different types of injuries. Just before we get to your decision, what was the worst thing you saw in a dressing room of a teammate that you saw someone going through to try and play? Oh, God, I mean... I, I always look to Jason Smith when I hear about these stories. He was our captain in, uh, in Edmonton, and uh, I remember being on the bench with him in Phoenix we were playing. He blocked a shot, and he came to the bench, and he stood up to try and feel it, and he heard it crack. And he leaned over to me. He goes, I, he goes Stevie, I think I, I think I broke my foot. And I said, well, tell the trainer. And then, sure enough, he's sort of sitting there. Coach calls his number, and he goes off for another shift. Uh, like this guy was, I mean, he, he played, tried, he played, he only got one more shift in with that broken foot, but played with a fractured uh, arm and all that sort of stuff. So this, this guy, we, we uh, there was a saying about uh, Jason Smith was that he's got the pain threshold of a dead animal. <laughs> well, there's a story, but I think it was Jason Smith and I, I that he had been cut up on his lip from like his nostril to his lip. He'd been split open. 
<laughs> and didn't want to go to the dressing room, so he stood in the tunnel in the hallway be- uh, behind the bench and actually got sewn up so he wouldn't have to miss too many shifts. I mean, I don't even know if that's true, but that's one of the urban legends about Jason Smith, which uh, which sounds like it might actually fit. Yeah, if, if, if it in fact happened to anybody, for sure, he was one of the guys. The way we had, you know, I mean, again, you look at it, you watch these guys go through this in the playoffs, and the, the speed of it and the intensity, especially some of the games in the Western Conference have just been vicious, and uh, it's it's really a sight to see. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't understand it because I've not been there. I, I think most people probably won't, but you're watching it. Again, I'm sure you're probably flinching a few times as, as you see these things happen, but let's get to the other one. You don't necessarily have the physical pain right now, then, but you have a bit of a headache, and, and I suppose it's a good headache in a way, but you decide to make a coaching change and suddenly by the sounds of it from what you said to Terry Pekoski and there's a piece in the paper uh, online today you've been swamped with applications you a little surprised at how this has gone uh, a little bit I figured that um, you know it would be it, it would be uh, uh, you know an interesting job for uh, for a coach to come into I think you know, we're trying to do things, maybe not differently, but we're really trying to do things right in Hamilton where we're taking our time and evaluating and trying to build a foundation, not take a step ahead. And, you know, it's, it's appealing to coaches because uh, there, there is an idea of what we want to do there. And uh, we're trying to move in the right direction and do it the right way and not trying to speed up. So I think that coaches like that idea. I think they like the structure of it. Um, you know, and we've been overwhelmed. So I, I knew that I would have uh, a lot of people applying for the job, but, uh, um, and in fact, as they've come in, you know, quite quickly and early in the process, we've, we've continued to get more and more people interested as, uh, as it's gotten further down the road. And I guess it probably leads to what we'll talk about further on is the time timeline for it. And that's why I haven't been in a rush to, uh, to get out there and, and pick somebody or uh, move in a certain direction because uh, there's still teams playing. Um, and, uh, you know, this is the time when I think more and more uh, organizations will look to make changes and possibly have some more people with uh, that are looking for an opportunity. But you didn't put out any kind of call for resumes or anything. These just people here, there's an opening and they just send them. Right. T- typically, that's exactly how it happens in the hockey world. It's word of mouth. And I was very fortunate to play for a very long time. And uh, during those years, and, uh, you know, as a player, but in my three years with Toronto after I was done playing, you, you form relationships and, and bonds. And uh, not only that, but you get to know people and they get to know you. And, uh, you know, w- along with those relationships and, and uh, meeting those people and competing against those people, um, you know, you, you start to you, you know more people in the in the hockey world and more coaches, and um, you know they they'll they'll reach out to you when the opportunity is there. And it's it's been uh, overwhelming at times. I think there's a, a, a set of process in place that I'm looking to follow, and uh, you know just kind of working along that again. Timeline is something that I can't predict at this point. We know uh, Troy Smith, who was your associate head coach, uh, he has publicly indicated he'd be interested. So we know at least one guy who has been an OHL head coach is interested. What is the other range of experience that people have applied? Where, where are they coming from? I mean, are these all people who have been head coaches at very high levels? Or, or give me a rough sort of spectrum of the applicants. Well, this, the spectrum is broad. In fact, I've had... 
coaches reach out from from Europe, uh, the East Coast League, uh, you know, Tier Two, Junior B, you know, and a, and a lot of these these uh, young men who are wanting to get into the coaching profession, I think, realize that this job may be not what they're ready for at this time, but they'll go ahead and apply and uh, you know get a conversation or an email exchange and. You know, a lot of them are looking for some advice, some of the younger ones, and I'm open to that as well. Um, but all, all throughout, you know, coaches with NHL experience, American Hockey League experience, um, you know, uh, from the U.S., from Canada, uh, you know, from, from Europe as well. So it's been across the board from, from uh, uh, you know, all different leagues. Now, you're not going to give me any identifying information. I know that, so I'm not even going to waste my time asking. Um, you've become a, a good political general manager very quickly by being able to hide everything. I, so, I, you know, we'll, we'll go with that. But what, would, what give me an example of one or two things that a typical cover letter would say that when someone writes in, what, how does someone introduce himself? What do they say that they want to get the job? Because they have to write something, right? Yeah, co- coaching philosophy, I think, is, is uh, you know, pretty much what they would start with. I think they want to introduce themselves in a way that, uh, and present themselves in a way of, uh, of how they would, how they would handle the, the job and, uh, uh, what they, they value more than any, more than one thing or over another. Um, you know, and some of them get in depth. Some of them are a little bit, uh, uh, you know, less in depth where they'll just, you know, have a few lines on each of them, but co- coaching philosophy is something that they'll talk about how, they see the game as a coach, how they would coach the team and what they would look for. So that, that, that's that, uh, you know, probably the first thing. And then they'll, they'll work through their, uh, obviously they'll go through into their history. Um, most of them, if not all of them, not, not all of them, I shouldn't say that, but most of them have played the game at a certain level. Um, and they'll, they'll post that as well. And then, then they sort of sit back and wait and hope for, a call back and uh, you know, or an email back, and, and try and exchange that way. A lot of my time also is is spent with after getting these resumes and checking in with the references as well, because mm. there's some that I don't know nearly as well, and I want to make sure that I cover off uh, all my bases and do my due diligence and talk to the people that that. Uh, uh, have been on there as references. Funny, I was going to ask you how many of these fifty plus whatever it is that you would have known about, or if if all of them you would know about. Oh, I mean, I think a lot of them you hear the, their names in and around. I would say, you know, there's a good good number of them that I, I haven't heard from before. Um, I'd say probably about half of them, to be quite honest, um, because it's it's impossible for me to know all the leagues and uh, up until this point, anyway. And so, the, the, some of the ones that are coming from, uh, you know, the U.S. or uh, uh, you know, Europe as well are are, are new to me. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll take I'll take the appropriate amount of time on each of them. Uh, you know, some of them you know they're just not quite a, a good fit. Um, some of them are intriguing. There's been some resumes that have come through that uh, have some strong backgrounds, but uh, lack lack some experience uh, as well. So I, I've taken everything into account, taken my time with it, and, and uh, you know, it's the, the process is t- takes a long time, but I think it's the right thing to do. Are you only accepting resumes, or are you also proactively going out and asking people if they're interested? There has been there, there have been a couple of people that I've identified um, that uh, I've reached out to uh, to see if there was interest there. Um, you know, some of them with teams that, that are they're coaching 
uh, as of now. So there, there has been a little bit of that up until this point. Um, but again, I think as the process moves along and uh, I go through this uh, and the teams wind down and some of the teams are finished, I think that'll be a more appropriate time. Like the teams in the playoffs, I wouldn't bother right now. That's not, uh, sure. that's not what I, I, that's not my style. I think that they need to concentrate on coaching their team. In fact, if I had a coach that was looking to move up the ranks, I would hope that they were concentrating on fulfilling their responsibilities with their team first and foremost. So um, there may be some others that I've identified that could possibly be candidates at some point. The fact that you decided that George Burnett was not going to be the guy going forward, does that necessarily then mean that you're looking for someone who is the opposite of George Burnett? I mean, that's, that's tough to say. I think you know, George, is a, George is a great man and a very good coach. I think, you know, philosophically there are some differences there. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say opposite. I'm looking for, I'm looking for things that, uh, that are more aligned with, with my philo- philosophy on, uh, on how the, the team should be uh, directed and uh, certain things on the development aspect of, of things, communication. There's some things that I've identified that I, I, I think are very important for a new head coach to come in, but it's, it wouldn't be fair to say that I want somebody opposite of George. I mean, obviously, by making the change, I, I looked for someone uh, that was different, but uh, at the same time, I think, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say that uh, we need someone who's completely opposite of George Burnett. So as you're going through this process, again, you've got 50-plus in addition to any others that might come in or any others that you've gone out for. You're looking for a head coach, but Steve, if you were to come across a guy who's the head coach and then there's another guy or two that, man, they are just so interesting and so impressive, is there room on your coaching staff at this point still to say, you know what, I was so impressed with that guy, we want to have him involved, we could add an assistant coach, or is it? are you just right now hiring a head coach and that's all the space you have? At this point, I'm looking for a head coach. Uh, I can't tell you exactly what the dynamics would look like if somebody came in and impressed me uh, to the point where you know we could add another one. I, you know, there I have I have the go ahead from Michael Anlauer that if we need, if I identify a head coach and two assistants, and, and there's somebody else there that uh, can fill the job of an eye in the sky or a skill development type of coach. Uh, I have I have the go ahead to do that now. But you touch on something when you when you talk about all these great people out there. If it it just may not work if I go out and hire the the best guy or the two best guys or three best guys. I've been part of coaching staffs, most of them, thankfully, that were great and cohesive and have great chemistry, and everybody knew their role and responsibility. The complexity comes in hiring this staff, Scott. Is you can't. You need to have the right dynamics as well, and and gentlemen who are going to come in and, and fulfill their roles the right way. It would be it would be a mistake, I think, if I brought in two guys that possibly wanted to be the head coach and don't develop that type of chemistry. So it's uh, that's where the complexity lies. I think uh, to go out, there's a handful of terrific guys to become the head, next head coach of the Hamilton Bulldogs, but the dynamics have to be there with the assistants as well to build the right staff. Just, just before I let you go, you are positive 
that when this whole thing is done, this is not going to be the uh, the whole Ken Dryden general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, that Steve Steos is not going to look in the mirror and say, you know, the best coach is me. I could 100% <laughs> the next head coach is not me. It's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a great profession. I enjoyed my time, my short time on the bench with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, it takes somebody who is completely and 100% dedicated and, and, in fact, somebody who wants to coach and not do anything else. And, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the head coach and general manager position being uh, too much for one person to handle. The, the coaching profession has gone to a different level mm. uh, where there is so much that goes into it. I mean, communicating with your players, building practice plans, watching their development, um, watching video, spending the appropriate time with our young with our young athletes to to you know help them uh, develop into into great hockey players. So it's a it's a massive job, and uh, you know I think that uh, there's plenty of guys out there that are are willing to do it, and uh, that's not me. <laughs> well, as I let you go, I did promise one of my earlier guests tonight. Uh, you don't have to say anything about this, but Dr. Dave Robinson, who's your team doctor, was on here, and he said, "Be sure you tell Steve that I'm casting my vote for Troy Smith." So I said I would. So there you go. Um, listen, I appreciate the time tonight, Steve. Thanks for doing this, and uh, good luck with whittling this thing down. It sounds like a bit of an ominous task. Yeah, terrific, Scott. Thanks for having me.